Hi and welcome to my podcast, Pure Happy Healthy. My name is Leandra Haupt, I'm your host, and today I got an interview with Ryan Lockie. Ryan lives in California and is a teacher as well as a podcast author of the book Beyond the Classroom. He treats about topics like meditation and how we can make a more sustainable learning in the classroom. So we talk about many, many things in this podcast episode, amongst them the impact of meditation on our life, how we can learn better and follow our interests or create new interests, how um, failing brings us to getting up again and how we can write a book. And he shares all his advice on how he did it and how he lives his morning routine. So without further ado, we will start this conversation right now. Enjoy. Hi, Ryan. I'm super happy I got you on my podcast here today. You're in San Francisco in California. <laughs> Leandra, thank you so much for having me on. It's great to be here. Yeah, cool. Before we get uh, a bit deeper into conversation today, I would like to know from you, what did you have for breakfast this morning, besides the coffee oh, you're drinking right now? <laughs> that's pretty funny that you asked that. I just had something that's not breakfast food, because we just went camping for a couple days, and we got back, and I see that we don't have a lot of food in the fridge, but I did see that we have the makings for a sandwich. So I had a ham tomato sandwich so mm. <laughs> not, not my typical breakfast i'm all in for a bread breakfast i always need something like very heavy german bread in the morning mm -hmm. so I, i i can understand that you have that what would be your regular breakfast my regular breakfast would probably be some kind of a cereal almond milk with a good healthy cereal, maybe throw some blueberries in there, or perhaps have yogurt, or I'm a big fan of omelets. I'm making scrambled with all kinds of veggies. Uh, that's what I typically like the best. So it's usually one of those couple mm. items. <laughs> Sounds both good. As long as the coffee is in, it's, it's all, uh, all Absolutely. good. Absolutely. <laughs> that's a must. That's how I started off. Agreed. <laughs> so... Let me know, who is Ryan? Who is Ryan? Wow. That's a, I haven't been asked that one before. Ryan <laughs> is currently, I'm, well, I'll give you a couple parts to that. I am a husband. I am a recent father and recent author. Both in 2020, my son Leon was born on January 3rd. It's been a joy to give our love and our attention to our son. And I have also become an author this year with my book, Wisdom Beyond the Classroom. But above and beyond that, I guess that who I am is someone that I connect with just in general with being human, where we really need to take the time to have self-care and self-love and through my own personal journey I found that starting my morning off with a meditation and really taking care of myself is best for not just myself but everybody in my life and for me to live my best life so I'm someone that really has a deep care and concern for the well-being of others and for others to really live their best life and, and to be fulfilled and to be doing what they want to do. And so in being a teacher, that was a big part of why I wrote the book was to just be part of our world and be part of something larger than myself is to give back as best that I know how to give back right now. So I am a husband, I am a father, I am a brother, I'm the oldest of six kids, and I'm blessed with great family and friends. Then on a deeper level for myself, it really is about being the best version of myself for myself and others. So 
hopefully that was uh, a, a good enough answer for you. I mean, that was a good that was a good question. I haven't been asked that before. Yeah, what I really like about this question is because it has actually so many layers. And usually when you ask that to people, they will immediately maybe say their name or, uh, or who are you? They will say their name or they will say their profession or uh, what they're currently working on. But I think as you already answered it, I think there are so many levels to who are you on like a spiritual level or um, the level like who are we in our family or our relationships but also at a much deeper level on the core so yeah I I think it's really cool that you answered all these different layers um, so one thing you were stressing right now is that you are a teacher and you wrote the book Beyond the Classroom Real World Advice uh, to Last a Lifetime could you explain a little bit uh, what that book is about and what gave you the idea and the courage to write that book? I'd be happy to. Thank you for the question. So Wisdom Beyond the Classroom really came to light. The idea came to me while I was teaching. I was a sixth grade teacher teaching for five plus years. And I had many students that would come in and out of my classroom, not just the kids that were in my home room, But I'd have over 100 kids coming in and out. And our curriculum, what we were working on for the subjects, were very jam-packed in the day. We didn't really have much else. And for me, it was more important that the whole child be developed, not just learning these subjects that we deem are important. And so I thought to myself, what is it that I can do to give back and to help these individual students grow on a personal level. So in my classroom, we would talk about mindfulness and connecting to the breath. We would meditate often. We would meditate at least a few times a week. And beyond that, I really wanted to do something giving back to not only my students, but something on a broader level to many students in the world. And so throughout my own medita meditation practice, this really just came to be. It almost came out of me such as I should write a book and it should be a story that comes from a couple different perspectives. The story comes from a perspective of a teacher. It comes from the perspective of the students And it really is simple lessons and tools to and stories that talk about and teach personal development in a way that's easy and fun and a way that you can actually apply it in your life. So it really started in the classroom when I was teaching and then evolved through my own meditation practice and in writing a book, it's not something that just happens in a few days, unless if you could do that, that'd be amazing. But this book actually took me a couple of years. So it came out a few months ago, and I'm excited that it's out, and I've had a lot of great feedback about it. And now it's about getting it out into the world. So I appreciate you having me on. <laughs> Yeah, I um, always wonder why these things are not taught in the classroom. And mm. looking back at my school career, I probably forgot half of the things that I got taught because sure. I also never used them in my life again. I mean, doing basic calculations, okay, I understand that, but like right. all the equations that are taught maybe are important if you want to study something in that, in that right. direction. But I would much more prefer to learn about how to deal with relationships and not only love relationship but all kinds of relationship with people how to be mindful how to practice or like learn self-love or um how to these are different topics but like how to mm -hmm. um 
do your tax declaration and stuff like this. I, I think mm. it, we, uh, we still have to do a lot of work. And especially in the United States, I know the school system because I've been a high school exchange student for some time there. And I know the high school um, like a way of teaching there. Um, And I think there needs to be a lot of work done in, in terms of the curriculum. Um, so, but I also feel the different side, the side of the teacher. I think there's a lot of stress that you probably get applied from the, the government or the director of the school that you need to follow that curriculum. So how did it go for you that you just chose to teach the, the students the different, these different things and tools and techniques? Did you get in trouble for that or... Um, was it actually yeah. encouraged or how did people perceive it? Right. That's a really good question. I think you have a great perspective, especially if you were an exchange student. And I agree, most of what we learn, it really doesn't end up being that important in the real world. And I would have that question asked pretty often from students, Mr. Lockie, when are we ever going to use this in the real world? And I was... Pretty honest about that also. And so if, if it was something I didn't feel they were going to really use, then it really does come down to, and I write about this in my book, it's actually in chapter one, it's called, the chapter title is What's in it for me? But if you're asked question, or if you're asked to do something that you don't like or don't want to do or don't understand why it, ha it doesn't seem to have any relevance, whether it's in school, whether it's at home, the things that the questions we can actually ask ourselves to that empower us are so important. So what I mean by that is when that student asked the question, I answered saying it's not necessarily about what we're doing right now. You can actually stop and ask yourself empowering questions like, you know, what can I learn from this? How can I do this to the best of my ability and be present? And what attitude will serve me best? When you are able to ask yourself empowering questions, because throughout our life, we're going to do things that we don't want to do or that aren't pleasant. These kind of questions actually help us so much more than sometimes what we have to do. Um, but in going back to your question, I did not get in trouble for it. The, there were two sixth grade classes. So the sixth grade class across the hall. So my, the teacher was a very good friend of mine and she was into meditation also. So we kind of decided together, Hey, the personal development is really important. And in the morning time before the students start to move around in the school going from class to class, we have some homeroom time. And so we just built it in in the morning and the principal was actually completely fine with it because meditation isn't attached to any particular religion or anything like that. It's not, it's not something that's religious. It's, not, it's more about connecting to your breath and getting centered and really it's a great way for you to start the day. And, and in learning techniques of mindfulness, it's something that you can use throughout your life. So it was, I, it was certainly welcomed that the principal took to it and was fine with it. And then other classes also knew that we did that and thought it was cool. It, it rubbed off and had a, had a positive effect as well. Mm. Yeah, I think the, the topics of mindfulness and meditation and also yoga, etc., um, healthy lifestyle, they got more and more in, into the mainstream as well, I would say. Right. At least that's my feeling about it, that more people become pretty conscious about it, that it gets important. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm glad that you, you also take part in spreading that and um, that it get perceived so well. Um, you said something really interesting and important before about the way that we learn, because in my own experience, um, but also what I know about it, um, it's really true that when you're interested in something or at least try to develop an interest on a certain topic and open yourself up for it, it 
I think the process of learning becomes so much easier and mm -hmm. you open yourself to learn something. So I live quite a lot abroad in my life and always my first thought about it was that I want to learn the language while I live there. And my goal is once I leave that country that I want to be able to be speaking with everyone. So I opened myself for learning and I told myself that that learning will become easy to me. And um, I did everything on that way in order to perceive that goal. So I think that's why it was so easy for me to learn the, always the language in the country where I lived. But I think if you go to a country and you, for example, think, oh, the language is so difficult, maybe I will just stay here for four months or five months, it, it almost doesn't make sense um, to learn the language, then you won't develop an interest and therefore you won't be able to learn anything. Um, so my, my question is, would you agree with that? And second question Is there any other tools or tricks how we can um, learn better or faster or open ourselves to learning? You make some great points, and I agree with what you're saying, and I think it's impressive that that was a goal of yours by the time you left the country. That is wonderful to hear. I need to be doing more of that when I travel. I tend to travel south to Mexico or Central America or South America, and can get by with my Spanish, but perhaps it's immersing myself and and not leaving next time until I am fluent in, in Spanish. The, to answer your question, I believe that, first of all, your mindset going into it is everything. So the fact that you are able to learn the language, so much of it came down to the fact that you were open-minded and Really, you know, our thoughts become things. We become what we think about. And your mindset going in was, I can learn the language and I will learn the language. So you didn't already, you already got out of your own way. You didn't, you didn't block yourself. So many times we have limiting beliefs and that hurts us so much. And so at a subconscious level, it sounds like to me that you were already open and and gave yourself permission to learn a language and that you could do that and so that's extremely important just the thoughts you think and and that goes so deep so you were open to being able to to learn the language and also with that is our relationship with failure is so important so when I giving you an example of using you learning the language is someone else might come to, let's say the United States, since you did that and get completely, feel completely shut down when they weren't able to participate or, or understand everything or get their point across and shut down because you know, that relationship with failure, they stopped, right? You have to have uh, to To get what you want in life and to be able to succeed at what you want, you really have to have a really good relationship with failure and understand that failing is just part of success. The, the more you fail, you're getting closer and closer to your goal. So I'm sure that you had some very difficult days in learning the language. It wasn't, it didn't probably just, it didn't come to you within a day or two. And so our mindset and having a positive relationship with failure, knowing that you're getting closer and closer to where you want to be is extremely important. And so in my book, I have many quotes from famous people, some alive and some not alive anymore. And that relationship with failure is one that I do have a chapter on. And one of the, I have a few quotes about the failure, but one of them, which comes from Thomas Edison, is in reference that with, with electricity, with the light bulb, he said, I have not failed. I've just found uh, 10,000 ways that won't work. That's a tremendous relationship with failure. And so a tip as far as um, having the right mindset 
I think a lot of it just comes down to stopping and connecting with our breath and seeing how we're feeling about something and, and asking ourselves empowering questions, meaning you don't necessarily have to say it out loud. You say it in your own mind, but you're saying, you know, what am I focusing on right now? Am I focusing on something that I want or am I focusing on the negative or something I'm not able to achieve yet? And that's bringing me down. So I feel that when you, when you pause and you really connect to yourself and you're able to really take the focus of what you want, of what you want to achieve rather than what you're not able to do at the moment. And then understanding that you are still making steps, taking steps forward while you might be failing, you're getting closer and closer to your goal. So that, that relationship with, with failure is extremely important. And so, so is our own self-talk and the thoughts that we think. Hmm. Yeah, just in my last podcast interview um, with Adam Rice, he's also from the United States, originally lives in, in Germany now, so he knows both countries really well. And we were talking a lot about failing as well. And um, he said that failing in the US has a really different status than in, in Germany. Here, failing is seen as something so, so, so bad. And it actually also the outcome of maybe a failed business or something um, is really your your whole personality, your, your status suffers, but also monetary wise, you will be in debt for so long. And it's so difficult anyways to start a business here because we have so much bureaucracy. Whereas in the United States, failing is seen as something just on the way to pursue a higher goal. And the more often you, let's call it fail, I don't like that word because it's so negative, but um, right. the, the more often you do mistakes maybe, the better right. you become, Mistakes. yes, but the, the better you become because that's when you learn how not to do it and then you can right. shift around that. So I really like that American attitude about failing because it's actually not seen as something so bad and severe right. and you can shift your way around that and then um, yeah, work, work yourself up to where you want to go. So Yeah, I, I love that that you just said that that it's that is such an important point on the way, <laughs> and mm -hmm, and on the and on the way to learning as well because learning is always connected with with like trial and error, right? <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely, yeah. You're, it's I would think it's extremely rare to get. I, I think that if you got something right the first time, it's probably not something that's very difficult. I think that the people that do things the best in our world, and someone might say, oh, they're a natural at that. Well, they probably don't see behind the scenes all the practice and dedication that it took. So, and I agree with you, the fail, failing or failure is probably not the best word for it. It's like, that's just part of the little mistakes are part of getting exactly to where you want to be and to be successful. Hmm. Um, what, what do you do when you have students in your class who maybe have very limiting beliefs as you can feel and who really do not grade or maybe are not really interested in learning anyways? Is there any way um, you can help these students? Is there any way that from the outside you can um, push the, these students or help them to get a healthier mindset? Yeah, that's a really good question. First of all, I think that the first thing that you have to realize, whether you're a parent or a teacher, because the book I wrote, Wisdom Beyond the Classroom, is intended for adolescents, middle school and high school kids. But really, it is a resource and teaching tool and a communication tool for parents and for teachers. And so there's a lot that the parents and teachers can get from the book. The first thing that we need to be mindful of, because our words are so empowering, whether that's the words we speak to ourselves or the words that we speak to other people, is not to be negative towards someone else. The being positive, because I think, I don't remember the exact, what the ratio is, but 
I've heard it's something like you have to say seven positive things for every negative thing you say to someone or to yourself because we tend to, our brains tend to remember the negative. So I think that the first thing you can do is, is positive reinforcement with, with a student or with a child and also to find out what they're interested in. You know, to, to connect to another human being, you have to see what they're passionate about, what, what moves them emotionally. If, if someone, whether it's two adults or two kids or, or an adult figure and, and a student or a child, if they don't feel like you're being genuine and that you really don't care about them, then you're not going to get too far. And so I think that finding out about someone is, is really important. And that that will come through, that you do care and that you, you are wanting them to learn whatever it is that, they, that you're wanting them to learn or, or to have more of a growth mindset. I think that they'll be more inclined when they understand that this person's in my corner. Not only do they speak to me like a human being and that they care about me, they're, they're interested in me. And so... I think that those are those are really important. And then just in general, when someone seems to be getting down on themselves, a student or a child, to again have them just say, Hey, you know, it's okay. Right now let's just take a let's take a break. Um, you know, let's let's connect to our breathing, let's take a take a breath. And doing something as simple as as asking someone, Hey, when you take a breath in you know, say to yourself, I am, I am breathing in peace or I'm breathing in calm and on the breath out, say to yourself, I release any tension or I release stress or, or any negative thing. I'm anything negative I'm feeling. So I think that a lot of times we just need to take a step back and do that. It's extremely healthy. And then also just the way we speak to people and, and empower with our words and then also connect and, and show an interest in someone that's really going to go a long ways in, in being able to connect with that student or child or just another human in, in general. Hmm. Yeah. I think showing interest in someone sometimes can be really magical because mm -hmm. sometimes you meet a person and they're really introverted and seem really boring maybe and then you show some interest and maybe ask something about a hobby they have or something and then it's sometimes so funny to see how they open up and suddenly yeah. like start shining and tell you about their hobby and yeah I think that's basically all we need right like all we want yeah. as humans we want um, to connect to feel um, like we're, we're cared of or We're yeah. yeah being seen and and being loved or appreciated for what we are, so yeah that's that's a really good tool. Um, when you started the meditation or maybe breath work or mindfulness um, lessons with with your students, could you see any difference in terms of how they behave or how they learn on your students from before and after? I could and. I had 30 students in my class. So you could imagine that when you have 30 students, you have all kinds of personalities and you have a wide range of kids that seem happy, that don't seem happy, that are focused, that are not focused, that love school, that don't love school. And so to take that time in the morning was really important. And I, I saw that it would really center and ground the students. And there was a sense of, peace in the classroom because I don't know what's going on in their home lives before they come to school or just in general at their home lives. And so you're able to kind of put all that away, put it all, you know, out of your mind and just, and focus on the breath and, and relax. And what I found that was in doing this, we would increase the time. We started off with something very short, like 30 seconds And then we would increase that time. I believe we did something closer to five minutes, perhaps a couple of minutes longer. Uh, but just the focus and the energy with the students, um, there was more of a sense of peace and, and uh, enjoyment 
in just being there in the present moment. And the students in the beginning, they were hesitant about meditating. They hadn't done it. They didn't know anything about it. And after doing it for a little bit, they were asking me or wanting to do it. They want to do it every day. And so uh, for those that are listening, that whether they've whether you've done meditation or not, or, or thinking about, oh, yeah, I'd like to introduce this to my student or child. It's very simple as far as you don't have to be a professional and have done it for a long time. It's as simple as, hey, you know, let's, let's close our eyes. Let's focus on our breathing. Really, the meditation is just focusing your attention somewhere. It could be like a mantra or a saying. Perhaps it was on a, a candle if the room was dark. But... Uh, Focusing on your breath with your eyes closed is a pretty easy one and a good starter. And then when your mind starts to wonder, because it will wonder and you'll have all these thoughts popping up in your head pretty quickly, is to you learn how to not get swept away in those thoughts, right? Just like when something happens outside of us and maybe we want to react to somebody, we get swept away, swept up and, and caught up in our emotions. So what meditation allows you to do is, is see that, oh yes, I'm, I'm having all these thoughts, but I don't necessarily need to cling to these thoughts. I can just let them go and, and realize, oh yeah, I'm having all these thoughts and my intention was just to focus on my breathing and I'll come back to my breathing without judging myself or getting upset that, you know, I'm getting swept up in my thoughts. You just come back to the breathing and that's, and that's what it's about. It's, it's learning how to, to focus better and better and not get caught up in those thoughts. And then that goes along with the mindfulness, not uh, learning how to respond instead of to react to somebody, not getting swept up in your feelings, your emotions, but just just observing it. Think of it as as a weather pattern, as a weather pattern, uh, observing the weather, just like observing your thoughts when you're meditating or observing your uh, emotions rather than getting caught up in them. So. You know, that's why the mindfulness, the meditation is so important. So, yes, I did find that uh, not only was there more of a sense of peace and calm with the students, but that they really enjoyed the meditation as well. Mm, nice. It sounds like you're doing meditation yourself. Um, do you have that as part of your morning routine? I do. Absolutely. I've been... I did what's known as a Vipassana mm -hmm. meditation about six years ago. It's a 10-day silent meditation retreat. And so I had learned about it from a friend of mine that, that had done it. And I thought, you know, that sounds, that sounds difficult. That's a long time, 10 days. But because I had the summers off, I was already going to be traveling to Central America. So I had done this in Nicaragua. And it was just one of the most wonderful experiences that I've ever had and life-changing experiences as well because I have become a daily meditator since that time. So that was, that was over five years ago, might have been closer to six years now. And so for me, as far as being able to have the kind of day you want to have and have control over the day and not get, not react everything that happens but really be able to respond in a in the the kind of way i wanted to and with the emotions and or with the energy that i want to bring so much of that just starts off with your morning routine and and centering yourself and having that self-care and that self-love time in the morning so i there are all kinds of studies that will show you all the benefits of meditation as far as physical, mental, and emotional. And I just find that it's so, such a breath of fresh air that I really wouldn't want to start off my day without doing it. Mm. And so I am a firm believer in it and certainly think that, hey, even if you have a busy morning, 
you should still take a little bit of time in the morning and give yourself some self-care, some self-love, and and just have some quiet time alone with yourself. Mm. What else is part of your morning routine? What else is part of my morning routine is is stretching and uh, working out. So I think that with the mindfulness, with the meditation, yoga is a wonderful practice. And so with mine, it's more of like stretching And I also like to work out in the morning. And then I also like to, to learn. So I'm either listening to something on audio while I'm doing a lot of this, or I'm, I'm reading a book after, after the meditation as well. So I typically do all those things, uh, sometimes more shortened than others because I have a seven month old son. Um, And so I've had to adjust it a little bit, but, um, yeah, I, I typically do, uh, those things in the morning. When you were writing your book, you said it was a process over a few years. What kind of routine or tools did you use to write that book? Did you have any special time when you would sit down and just like every day, Uh, get yourself uh, the book writing into your into your practice or would you just take a week where you were writing full on every day when you were off or right. what was your way of dealing with with the book writing right that's a really good question i think it's a good question for you know someone that might be listening and whether they want to write a book or do something else fitting that in and and thinking of the best time to do it i found that in the morning after a, a night a night of sleep and feeling refreshed and then doing my morning routine of, of, you know, uh, awakening my body with stretching or working out. And then my mind as well with meditation for me right after that, this was the time to write. And it was seemed to be the time where creative juices were flowing and I was just in a really good place to do that. So while I was writing the book over the last couple of years, I would do it in the morning time. So I would typically give myself an hour plus, maybe a few hours if I had the time, depending on what was going on in the day. Um, but I found that, uh, at least for me, the best time to do that was was after waking and, and after doing my morning routine when, when um, you know, my brain was, was firing. For, I, I also like the evening time to stay up late, but I find that after, after, you know, going about the whole day and working and doing things, I didn't feel like writing. I didn't feel like I had creative juices flowing in the evening. It was more of like just relaxing and, um, you know, winding down. So it could be different for, for everyone. Perhaps someone feels they're in their creative flow after lunch or in the evening. But for me, I found that it, it was in the morning time. Mm. Yeah, I'm in the progress of writing my book as well. And I have a similar experience with that. I also like to do it right after my morning routine, because also I feel like after meditation and, and journaling, which I do in the morning, my mind is pretty clear. And mm -hmm. also I feel pretty connected to the source, if you want to call it like this. And yep. then it flows really easily. Whereas in the afternoon, for example, my thoughts are already so distracted or so blended right. by, by my environment and everything I did in that day and by other people that it's harder for me to really sit down and focus on, on what I want to, what I want to write. So I could just suggest um, a similar advice to everyone listening who maybe yep. has, has the idea to writing a book. Um, but you said that you also got the idea of writing a book. It was just like that sudden urge, right? That you, that it was like your calling suddenly that you were writing a book. How did it unfold for you that you got the idea? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think that when we plant, let's say we plant the seed in our brain that we want something, sometimes it does take a little bit for that to present itself in the world. So When I was teaching, um, because I'm currently not teaching now, but when I was teaching sixth grade and it came to my mind, what can I do that's bigger than me, that's bigger than just the kids coming to my class that, that helps other students or helps other people around the world with personal development, 
that's when I had the idea. I actually, or that's when the thought of how can I help actually came to me before the, the idea of the book came to me. So with that idea of when I was teaching sixth grade and then leading the meditations for my kids, I'd say that it was a year plus. It, it was definitely over a year until it came to me like I should write a book. And so um, I, you've probably seen this in your life. I've seen it in my life where I've had a thought like, oh, I would really like to do this, or I'd really like to visit this place or have this kind of a relationship in my life. But sometimes those kind of things, we planted that seed, but it sometimes then it, it takes a while for that to come full circle and to actually see it manifest itself. And so I feel that what's really important, and I do mention this in the book, aligning our thoughts and our our feelings and our actions and when we do that we are able to really create the reality that we want and so you know thoughts become things and what you think about it that's why it's also so important that you're putting the kind of thoughts or you're you're clinging to and giving focus to the thoughts that serve you and that empower you and so over time I feel that what you put your energy and your focus on will present itself in reality, it just might take a little bit of time or it might come in the way of something that you were not expecting. When I first had this thought, how can I help other students? How can I help many students? It, like I said, the thought of a book didn't come to me right away. And if someone would have told me right then and there, like, hey, you should write a book, I would have been like, oh, I don't think I would have like clung to that idea. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's an interesting idea. It really then, it still took some time and, and took some, I guess, some own reflection time and my own meditation for that to finally become the idea. So I think as, as much as anything, if we want something in our life, um, having the thoughts and the feelings and then taking the actions to get what we want is important. And, but also not to put pressure on yourself. Like I said, that thought didn't come to me right away, but, but knowing like, oh, you know, I want to do something um, that's bigger than myself. Like if you just kind of put that out into the world, um, you know, that's, that's important. And so trusting and believing that, hey, um, something can still happen even if we don't see it happen immediately. Hmm. Interesting that you have a similar thought or experience with that because I also sometimes just have that little tiny thought that I want to do something and then it just in my brain for a certain amount of month, years, whatever and suddenly it's just there and then it's already basically manifested and then everything goes really quick for me and then the, the way becomes so clear but I feel like my subconscious really has to work on it beforehand even though I maybe don't even notice that that thought is already in me even though I know it kind of but I'm not really thinking about it and then when the time is right and when I'm I, I'm prepared and my subconscious probably prepares me for it all the time then it's already there and then it goes really easy and and effortlessly and it all just flows so I I've done like I've had really similar experience in that way um I would like to move over to a round of quick uh, fire questions. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Are you ready? <laughs> yes, that sounds fun. What can we do for more self-love today? For more self-love, when you wake up in the morning, take the time to just sit quietly with yourself and have some gratitude. What are you grateful for? in the morning. It doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be like your health. It could be something very simple, but also in that gratitude, take the time to say something that you're grateful for about yourself. Our self-love is so, so important and something that we don't do enough of. So take the time and, and use gratitude. Mm, I'm such a big fan of gratitude. <laughs> Amazing. What's your favorite dish? Coffee doesn't count. <laughs> my a food dish? Yes. Oh my gosh. I could eat, um, let's just call it one and the same because you can get them at the same place. A taco or a burrito, I could pretty much eat almost every single day. 
Too bad you don't live in the mission then, huh? <laughs> oh, yes, but I, I've, uh, I'm not too far away, and I actually have a couple of good spots around me. So Yeah, California yes, is I, the hot spot. <laughs> yeah, and today's Taco Tuesday, so okay. uh, good chance I might go get some today. Isn't it also Taco Thursday? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like Taco Wednesday, Taco Friday, Taco Sunday, exactly. <laughs> All right, Taco Week. <laughs> exactly. Um, what can we do for a better health today? Um, better health, I'd say just be mindful of the thoughts you're thinking and be mindful of the negative thoughts you're thinking. You know, it's, it's so if for you to at least have something neutral, like it's better to have a neutral thought than a negative thought, because we tend to give focus to something and do it more and more and more. I think oftentimes we don't even know if we're having a negative thought or if we're complaining about something It might be something that snowballs or you do a lot. So I'd say be mindful of the thoughts that you think. And, and if they're negative, really, really take that into account. Um, our thoughts are so important. So empower yourself with the right thoughts and the right words that come out of your mouth. Mm, so good. Um, do you have a, a book or a movie or a podcast or any kind of media that was really a game changer for you and really changed the way that you thought about things and changed your life? Hmm. That's a great question. Uh, there's a couple of things, that, there's a couple that come to mind. One of my favorite books that I would read to my class is The Alchemist. Mm. I'm sure you know this book, The Alchemist, yeah. beautiful book. Yes. Um, I also really like the book on, it's a kind of a personal, personal hero journey, uh, The, the Alchemist, so is the book Siddhartha. I love that book, Siddhartha. I am a big fan of the book Think and Grow Rich. Mm. Uh, there's so much wisdom in that book. It's incredible. And every time you listen to it or read it, you're going to find something in there that you're like, oh, my gosh, how did I not see that? You know, how did I? I think that's the beautiful thing about books Or, or an audible is that there's always, we're always going to hear it or read it and say, oh my gosh, I feel like I have never seen that before. Um, so I think that book is incredible. And I'm, then I'm, I'm in the process really, of reading that at the moment, actually. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. it's great. Yeah, it's, it's so great. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. And podcasts that I am a really big fan of. Um, I love what you're doing. And <laughs> I love the name. Um, I'm a big fan of a podcast. Um, uh, what's what's the one that I'm a big fan of? No, I'm, I'm having a, a moment. Um, it's a podcast that's by uh, Tom Bilyeu, and it's called Impact mm. Theory. He has he has these incredible guests on um, that kind of the same way. They're they're finding out um, and sharing wisdom, sharing how you can be your best self and so i'm a big fan of that one but those three books i mentioned i i i love those books mm, yeah thank you um is there any last piece of advice that you would like to leave the listeners with uh sure the the book i wrote again it, it really is for adolescents for middle school and high school kids but it's a communication a resource tool for parents and for teachers i've also had a handful of adults that have read it and have been blown away they're like there's so much in here i wish that i would have uh, been taught this years ago or when i was a student and in the book there are two questions at the end of every chapter so for me when i read something or i listen to something I often need to read it or listen to it again because I forget things or I need to write down the main points of the chapter. So there are two questions at the end of every chapter really have you reflect and write down about what you learned. And if it's something that you're interested in, it's available as an ebook. It's available as a paperback. I also read the book and it's available. I, I was the narrator for it on audible. And so my website wisdombeyondtheclassroom.com which is you know wisdom beyond the classroom is the name of the book um, it links through and clicks through to amazon and so uh, regardless of where you're at in the world whatever country you're in you can purchase it it's available 
uh, for every country. So I strongly recommend that you that you get it. There's a lot of wisdom, and it was uh, I believe that we all have potential, uh, really unlimited potential and inner wisdom inside us. And so it's it's about the book is about helping you extract that and get that out in your in your own life. So it is you know, we we each have gifts that we have for the world inside ourselves. And I guess this was one that came out of me. It's a gift mm. for the world. Oh, beautiful. I will definitely link all of that to the show notes so people can get it and get in touch. When they want to get in touch, uh, where's the best place? Is it through your website or through your Instagram? Yeah, that's a great question. And I welcome anyone saying hello and questions, comments, or just to, you know, just to have a chat. I can be through the web, through my website, there's an email. Email is support, S-U-P-P-O-R-T, support at wisdombeyondtheclassroom.com. I'm also, I believe, you and I were talking about this, but I believe that I'm the only Ryan Lockie, <laughs> L-O-C-A-E-E, in the whole world. So if you're on Facebook or you're on Instagram and you look for me, uh, you know, you're going to be able to find me that way as well. So I recommend or I, I certainly welcome. If you want to connect with me, I'm, I'm the only Ryan Lockie that I know of in the world. Uh, Ryan, R-Y-A-N, my last name is Lockie, is L-O-C-K-E-E. I can be found on Facebook. I can be found on Instagram. And so I certainly welcome if you want to reach out and say hello, question, comment, or just have a chat. I'm, I certainly welcome it. Cool. <laughs> the, the, the only curly Ryan. <laughs> yes, exactly. The girls. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time and everything that you shared with me. That was beautiful. Um, and I'm sure we'll stay in touch and people can get in touch so yeah and thank you for writing the book bringing your purpose and knowledge out there and passing it on to people and students um yeah, yeah. so much thank you for thank being you, for, you. <laughs> thank you well thank you for being you thank you for having me on i really appreciate it it's wonderful to be able to connect you know halfway around the world it's a wonderful thing yeah so amazing the technology <laughs> yes absolutely As you can probably hear, I really appreciated that conversation and I got so much knowledge and wisdom out of it and I think we can really reconsider the way of learning for the future and I hope we will get a lot of progress there and hopefully bring much more meditation and much more mindfulness into the classroom as well and as in our everyday lives. So I hope you could integrate a little bit of more mindfulness with listening to that podcast and if it's the case please get in touch on instagram i will link to the show notes with also with ryan's instagram and of course the link to his book uh, but also my instagram and i'm always happy if you share your thoughts and yeah your comments there and just get in touch with me so I hope to see you for the next episode. Until then, stay safe and stay pure, happy, healthy.